When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Tuesday, everybody. In studio, Corey Friedman is in the building. Cody Del Mendo. I'm Luke Stuckmeyer. We've got a great show lined up for you. Ryan Herrera is going to join us from Arizona at some point with some updates from what Tom Ricketts said out at Cubs camp in Mesa. And we're very excited because we have a big timer on the show today. A big timer. As in friend the of the program. Big, friend of the program, Big Blue Train. There's only one conductor out there. There's a lot of people that are a lot of things, but there's only one conductor. He doesn't bring the vibes. He is the vibe. He's the one and only Dan Plezak. There he is, the lefty. <laughs> woo, woo, the big blue train. That's right, Luke. Often imitated, never duplicated. That's right. Get on the train. Woo, woo. <laughs> oh, my God. Dan, thanks for coming on. I know you're fired up and ready for the uh, baseball season. You're going to go to Arizona. You always do the ballparks. You're heading out there. But we're excited about what the Cubs have built in the, in the offseason, right? They, they made some moves. And last year certainly was disappointing. The year before was disappointing. We're excited about these offseason moves. What do you think in general about what the Cubs have done in the offseason? I don't like the moves, Luke. I love the moves. Oh. It, it was time. It was time to start to get this thing accelerated, and it's always difficult. You go back about ten or twelve years ago when that kind of that teardown started, and then it, then it all the magic started to happen. Right, all the good players that they found in that farm system all started to make it to the big leagues, and they go bring in John Lester, they bring in Joe Madden, and they kind of finish that thing off, which brought the Cubs a world championship. I'm a huge Dansby Swanson fan, winning player, Luke, winning player. Now he may not be of the same talent level, say as a Carlos Correa. He's not that kind of dynamic guy, but Luke, he is a blue collar. Cub fans are going to love him. I think he and Nico Horner have a chance to be a great double play combination. I'm a big Nico Horner fan. I said this last year and I still think when the Cubs are good again, and they're not that far away from being good again, Nico Horner is going to be right in the middle of it. And I think getting a double play partner, Dansby Swanson, is going to help him out. It's going to help the Cubs out. Winning player who brings instant credibility when he walks into the clubhouse. And I think that's really important 
when you have an everyday lineup that is just cluttered with a lot of young players that need some direction. This guy's going to be the leader of the pack. I love the signing. He's one of my favorite players in the big leagues. Dan, we sit here and we talk about, like, you know, we compare the the last uptick, uh, you know, trending up 2014 Cubs to, uh, going into 2015. And that was kind of what we did a lot at the end of last year because the Cubs went 39 and 31. And, you know, they, they showed they had some young players. And we all – obviously the farm system has some guys coming up. Um Adding Dansby Swanson, as high as you are on him, and I think all of us here are, um, is he kind of that same type of move when the Cubs signed John Lester in a way? And obviously he's a pitcher, Swanson's a shortstop, but in terms of leadership and, you know, that move that showed the Cubs are on their way back, is, is that kind of the – are they both similar? Yes, very good analogy. The only difference that I see right now – it's going to be very difficult for the Cubs to hit a home run like they hit with a guy like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, right? Those three guys. It's hard to develop like one really good position player like every five to ten years. And when you get lucky and you bring three or four of those kind of players together at the same time, and that, that's what happened 2014, 2015. But it can all be accelerated really quickly. You touched on it. All of a sudden, they bring in John Lester. They bring in John Lackey. They start to get these pieces to build around this team. I really like this Dansby Swanson sign. I think he's everything. Great work habits. I had a chance to do like four or five Braves games last year for MLB Network. And all I can tell you is Ron Washington, who is the Braves infield instructor coach, one of the best in the business, he just went on and on and on about how hard Dansby works and I think when the other players, position players, particularly the infielders, see those work habits, see what he does and how he does it, it's going to have to rub off. Now, with that said, he's not going to all of a sudden bring 15 or 20 wins to a team that was sub 500 last year, but I think it's a step in the right direction. I also like a couple of moves in the rotation. This is a far better Cubs team right now than the one you saw at the end of September. It's a better team. Uh, you know, I, I look at those offseason moves, Dan, and, and Dansby is the no, obviously the one that really excites me. But there's also a bunch of guys in that mix that are sort of prove-it guys, right? Trying to recapture their mojo. Cody Bellinger was an MVP in the league. Uh, Mancini's had success in the league. Hosmer has had success in the league. Of those, of those three guys, and they're shorter-term deals, kind of prove-it deals while you're trying to wait for the prospects to emerge if you're lucky enough, like you said, to get them all coming up at the same time. Of that group of guys they signed, Mancini, Bellinger, Hosmer, which one do you think has the best chance or a chance to recapture some of their old mojo? Eric Hosmer. And I don't, I don't even have to think that long and that hard about it. Big fan of the player. I just think he kind of got lost in the shuffle there with San Diego. Remember, he was the guy, the first guy that they brought in when they spent all that money when he signed that big free agent contract when he left the Royals. Everybody in baseball was like, wow, the Padres? Why the hell would you go to the Padres? All of a sudden, then they acquire Manny Machado. They start making all these trades, and he slowly became the odd man out. You know, in a position first base where they're looking to use that spot as a DH, so we're going to have to maybe put Machado over there at times potentially Fernando Tatis because of the injury bug that has hit him. I just think Eric Hosmer is a wonderful player. 
He's the closest thing. This is a bad comp, probably, but uh, just to give you an idea who he is, to me, he's the closest thing, Luke, that Cub fans have seen to a Mark Grace kind of player. Doesn't hit for a lot of power, but he sprays the ball all over the ballpark. He is a wizard at first base with the glove. He runs the base as well. He does everything well, and I think he's going to get a chance to get a rebirth, get a chance to play hopefully every day. And I think the more he plays, the more he's going to find himself. I think of the three, he has the biggest upside. That's just my opinion. Interesting, because, you know, the Cubs also have, a lot of Cubs fans are excited about Matt Mervis, this prospect that hit all these home runs in the minor leagues, and some are hoping that somehow he gets a shot after a hot Cactus League season. And people think, well, I could see Mancini playing some first. I could see Hosmer playing some first. I could see Mancini DHing. But what happens if we're blocking Mervis? That's always that's always a big question for teams that are rebuilding. How long do you stick with older players that might help your team win some games? Because it also would be good for the organization to get a wild card or compete for a division this year versus developing the young guys. How does how does a team find that right balance between playing Hosmer the right amount and then knowing when it's time to give the young guy, Mervis, a shot at the big leagues if he's earned it. I hear everything you're saying, Luke. And Mervis has been a tremendous hitter since he's put on a uniform at the minor league level. This guy was very unheralded when the Cubs signed him, and he's just powered his way right through the system. With that said, it's AAA, it's AA, it's A-ball. He's yet to take that jump to the big leagues. And I'm not saying that he can't. And I'm not saying that he won't this year. But I think right now, if, if I'm the Cubs, the safest bet for me is – send him down there, see how he does in the Cactus League. If he hits well, I would imagine he's going to start the year in AAA. And if Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini get off to really good starts, I think they're going to play. And they're going to play most of the playing time. And it's just going to be, unfortunately for him, Mervis, it's going to be the right guy at the wrong time for that particular spot. But crazy things happen in the, in the game of baseball, Luke. There are injuries that happen all the time. He's a guy that could DH if you called him up. If, if he could hit that well, there's a spot where he could be in that DH spot now. I think it's a great problem to have if you're the Cubs. It's a bigger problem if you're counting on a guy like him. You hand him the job on opening day. He struggles April going into May. And all of a sudden, now, one, your team suffers. And you've also deflated what you feel is a top prospect. You have to send him down. And sometimes when guys come up, they go back down. It's a long road to get back to the big leagues. Yeah, and it also can be really cold at Wrigley Field the first couple months. So that's not a fun way to introduce somebody to the major leagues right. either. You know, you, but what about what about guys that are, are currently on the team? We keep looking for bounce back season. I want to even say a bounce back season. Say a Suzuki had a nice rookie season. It was just kind of a roller coaster because of it injuries. Was. It, Do you it think was. that they could find a, a power source in say a Suzuki that maybe would help this team because on paper it looks like they may not have enough punch to score the type of runs they might need. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a tale of like three different seasons for Seiya last year. I thought the first three and a half weeks, strike note zone recognition off the charts, came out swinging, put the ball in play, very rarely struck out, uh, had some power, hit the ball the opposite field, and then all that kind of started to go away. And I know a lot of people in baseball – particularly at the national level, were like, 
wow, the Cubs hit a home run here with this guy. Wondered how he'd make the adjustment from Japanese baseball to the major leagues. It didn't look like it took him any time at all. Luke wasn't swinging at pitches out of the strike zone, took his walks when he got favorable counts and count leverage, hit the ball hard, hit the ball to all fields. And all of a sudden, injuries played a part of it. And then all of a sudden, you started to see more swing and miss. The power started to fade away. And I think what happened, Luke, I think confidence started to wane a little bit. And then when that starts to spiral out of control and you have some issues health-wise, I don't think we saw the true player all year round. But with that said, I think it's going to be very important for him to get off to a good start. Because when you have a year where expectations were high like they were last year, and you're kind of on the struggle bus the last three, two and a half to three months, you want to get off to a good start to kind of get get rid of those demons that you have stored from 2022. So I think a, a, a fast start is pretty much a very important for Senga. Well, I hope you see him when you're in Arizona because he looks like the Incredible Hulk now. Jack. He, he, went, he went back home in the offseason and he bulked up. Uh, one of the reasons was to try and be physically able to handle how long a major league season is. You've been through it. I've seen you go through it as an analyst still feeling it. Your arm was rubber, and that was, you know, five years after you were playing. How tough is a full season of baseball for somebody the first time around that they do it in the big leagues? It's tough, Luke, and especially when you come with expectations. First of all, you're in a new culture. You don't speak the language. You have the difference as far as the language barrier, the food barrier, the travel barrier. You know, we take a lot of things for granted when you play here in the States and you grow up in the United States. Uh, you're hungry. You get on the phone. You can call and order food. You can whatever you want. You get in your car. You drive around. Think about it. You come to a new country. Unless you're really experienced in English, you're kind of out there on an island. I could just tell you this from experience. I played on a tour, a Major League Baseball All-Star tour that toured Japan in 1998. Sammy Sosa was on that team, Mark McGuire, and it was 28 big leaguers. And I'm telling you, Luke, there isn't anything about the country of Japan when you go there that is easy unless, one, you have somebody with you, or two, you go to a restaurant and you look and you point at, like, the menu, you know, this is what I want because there's a whole language barrier. And on top of that, I think when you come to a new team in a new country, you want to get off to a good start. And listen, and he said this last year, I kind of laughed. He had no idea when they were courting him how cold it was at Wrigley Field (laughs) in the month of April. Like, you know, you could see the ivy on the wall and that shot from the Mm. upper deck, seeing the, the sailboats out on Lake Michigan in July and August. And it looks like the greatest place in the world. But trust me. Down on that field in right field in April when it's 37 degrees and you're thinking, oh, my God, we're taking batting practice on the field today. It feels like Bears football weather, so it's quite an adjustment. You got a, anything you want to ask uh, Mr. Plezak? I know you want to ask some pitching stuff, first of all, about, like, the, the relievers. Like, Dan, you're a reliever, so we've got, we've got a set of pitching questions that we're hoping you can, can help us out with. Um, what were we talking about? The the relievers with the yeah. I mean, I was curious. Oh, Dan, I know. Like yeah, yeah. the the Cubs have already made the decision. Uh, you know, they've used a guy like Keegan Thompson and Albert Alzali in in different roles throughout their careers, but they've already made the decision at the beginning of spring to have them in the bullpen. They have kind of an open competition. Couple guys for the fifth spot. I'm just curious as a former reliever, what you think about 
kind of where the game is going and kind of these multi-inning, uh, higher leverage relief weapons. And uh, in particular with the Cubs, putting some of their, you know, formerly like pretty touted pitching names and, and making the decision to say, hey, we're, you know, going to kind of cut off the starting experiment for now and use them as, as multi-inning uh, bullpen weapons. I'm a big fan of it. And I can tell you from experience going way back in the way back machine, 1986, when I made the Milwaukee Brewers team out of spring training, I went to my first big league camp right out of double A ball. And I was a starting pitcher in the minor leagues with Milwaukee. I made the club opening day right out of spring training. And I was a little disappointed. I was going to be the long guy in the bullpen. And I remember thinking, man, nobody wants to pitch out of the bullpen. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think it's the best thing that has happened to a lot of younger pitchers. And I'm going to tell you why. Keegan Thompson, to me, is a perfect example. A guy who has four pitches, but really only commands two of them at times really good. Love his fastball, good breaking ball. His changeup's gotten better. When you go into the bullpen, you take that fourth pitch and you forget about it. Because most starting pitchers, they have way too many pitches. They think... They have four good pitches. But in reality, the good ones have two, and if the great ones have three. Greg Maddox had a really good fastball. He had a great changeup. He had an average at best curveball, but he could make the ball talk. John Smoltz, explosive fastball, really good slider. His curveball, eh, changeup, eh. <laughs> but you know what happened? Those guys learned how to pitch, and I think that's one of the things that accelerated Keegan Thompson. You don't have time to establish four in five pitches in the bullpen because you're coming in for an inning or two. And I, what I love about that theory, you bring guys in and coming out of the bullpen, they feel fresh. And when they feel fresh, they feel aggressive. When they feel aggressive, they're not afraid to throw the ball over to be strike one. The most difficult transition in pitching is going through that lineup the second and the third time after you've begun, you've gotten a little tired. You've had an inning in the fourth inning where your pitch total, you were through 26 pitches to get through the fourth inning. Now you're sitting at 75 pitches going out there in the fifth. Your arm starts to feel a little bit fatigued. You don't quite have that same snap on the curveball. The life on the fastball, you're taking your warm-ups in between pitches, between innings, and that ball, it's just not popping out like it normally does. But when you come in out of that bullpen, you're firing fresh, and what it does, it puts you in a mental state of mind that you believe in your stuff. You're not afraid to throw strike one, and there have been a lot of really good pitchers that started their careers in the bullpen. Not to say that Keegan Thompson is going to be a reliever the rest of his life, but you know what? It was a great start for Keegan Thompson. He pitched some really good baseball last year. I'm a big fan of his, and I think until he can command three pitches... Listen, it, it's amazing to me, Justin Steele. He's an anomaly. He's basically a two-pitch guy, but his fastball has super carry, super life, and you can go into all the analytics, and I buy into a lot of it. He has a very high spin rate. His ball, when he throws his fastball, it's hard to pick up the spin, and his ball has life. His 93 plays like it's 97, 98. It's up in the zone. It has a lot of ride. It has a lot of carry. But I like what the Cubs are doing with some of their prospects, putting them in a bullpen, having some success. If you have enough one, two, three innings, that starts to feed and you start to breed on that and you start to feel it and you start expecting to go out there and do well. And I listen, 
I don't think at all it hurts or sets back the progress of a pitcher. If anything, I think it helps because it helps build confidence. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the flip side of that, right? We, we've talked about guys adding pitches too. Keegan Thompson also added a pitch, but Steele tried to add a pitch, and it turned out that really John Lester's advice that the fastball was, was really the way to pound the fastball early. That was the key to him sort of bouncing back, trusting his best pitch. Did you ever add pitches during the season? Because it seems like that would be a difficult thing. I know guys tinker with stuff in the offseason and in the Cactus League or Grapefruit League, but did you ever, as a reliever, try to add something midseason? Oh, yeah, and, and you know what? It, it can help at times, Luke, and it can be a hindrance. It's like professional golfers. They're always looking, hey, how do you hold that club? What do you do with this shot? You know, how do you get it to curb, and how do you slice it? How do... As a pitcher, you're constantly walking around with a baseball in your hand, right? You're always talking not only to guys on your team, but guys on other teams. So if you're a lefty, if you're Justin Steele, and you're sitting watching a game, and, and you're playing and, and you're watching a guy like Cole Hamels throw or you're, you're watching another lefty, you're watching Max Freed. And you sit there and if, if you're Justin Steele and you go, boy, the way I don't know, I got to find out how, how Max Freed holds that curveball. Man, that thing is nasty. So you do some investigating. You find out if somebody on your team knows Max Freed. Next time you go to Atlanta or the Braves come in, you walk up there and go, hey, you know, and pitchers don't, don't talk back and forth. But as a pitcher, you'll never talk to a position player. They'll tell you to go get lost. But you could walk <laughs> up to a, a pitcher and walk up to Max Fried and say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with a curveball. I'm, just, I'm in, kind of in between a curveball and a slider. How do you hold your curveball? And, and you're constantly tinkering and trying to mess with it, get better. Luke, it's a never-ending thing that at times can drive you nuts. And, but the answer <laughs> to your question is yes, pitchers are always tinkering. You're always looking for some type of an edge or a grip or a feel that will make that pitch be more consistent and be able to throw it more in the strike zone. But it can also be the kiss of death. Because if you go back to the late 80s, early 90s, the split finger was the rage. Anybody that couldn't throw a good changeup, let's teach them the split finger. And it's an easy pitch to pick up. Luke, I'm, from personal experience, you could find somebody that knows how to throw it. They'll give you a baseball, show you how to hold it and how to throw it. And if you can't make it sink, then you shouldn't have played baseball to begin with. And it works. But the problem is you fall in love with those things. And it was a rash of elbow injuries because guys were throwing that split finger. It was putting a lot of stress on the elbow. So then that became a problem. So you're always looking to try to figure out how you can be better than what you are. And, and I, I simply go by this. After doing this for 18 years, I constantly, you're always tinkering but you have to stay with what got you there. And that is take care of your fastball, take care of your location and your breaking ball. It's great to have five pitches, Luke, but in all honesty, if there's a starting pitcher that tells you he has five good pitches with the exception of King Felix with the Mariners seven or eight years ago, there isn't a pitcher in baseball that has five good pitches. They might tell you they are, but basically they've got two good ones and three other ones that are mediocre. <laughs> That's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, because we've got to get to some sponsors. I do want to say before we go to the break, uh, Braggs in the stands with a super chat. Greg Braggs says, Dan Plezak and Greg Braggs, two Crown Point High School greats. And he's got the handshake going. So there's somebody from Crown Point always looking out for you, Dan. Go Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure Craig is just loving that. Uh, the Goose Island <laughs> Beer Company, guys. It's uh, the official beer of CHGO, Chicago's beer since 1988. Beer roster has a little bit of everything. Blackhawks Pale Ale and limited release. Bull City 312, limited release. The Bourbon County Stout, Christmas IPA, Beer Hug IPA, Green Line, Matilda. I don't know what your favorite is. I lean towards Matilda right now or just the classic 312. Goose Island also has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room on 1800 West Fulton or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brew House, 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations, Goose Island Beer Company. Now, guys, <laughs> we know a lot of you out there want to have a better sex life. But up to 50% of men have symptoms that get in the way of wanting or enjoying sex. Do you want a better sex life? If so, you're not alone. Roman is here to help. Roman is the digital health clinic for men, addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication. Roman offers discreet wipes that help you last four times longer in bed. In men with low T, getting testosterone levels back to normal can help you increase your libido, Roman offers a testosterone test, which includes lab processing, and if it's appropriate for you, treatment for low testosterone. No waiting rooms, no hassle, straightforward digital experience from the comfort of your home. If medication or testing is appropriate, Roman's going to send you directly right to your door, everything you need, discreet packaging, free two-day shipping. All you have to use is the special promo code CHGO for 20% off. Bring the vibe back to your bedroom. That's what my buddy Cody told me a couple of days ago. I was just trying to help him out. He was just trying to help me out. I didn't say it was you. I was just saying my friend Cody told me. All right, we're, we're it talking. It could have been me. We'll see. We're talking with uh, our good friend Dan Plezak, 18 years in the big leagues, MLB Network, Marquee Network, three-time All-Star. And you were Dan, before we went to the break, you were talking about some of the pitching stuff that's going on with the Cubs. You mentioned one of the names early in the podcast, Jamison Tyone. Pitched for the Yankees last year. What are the Cubs getting? Are they getting a guy that can be a one or two? It reminds me of the same question we sat here and asked you last April, right before the Cubs were starting, about Marcus Stroman. What are they getting in Tyone? They're getting a guy right now that's finally started to figure it out. This guy was a can't-miss prospect when he signed by the Pirates out of high school. Um, the last couple of years, he pitched some really good baseball for the Yankees in a very tough division, a very tough market to pitch in. Uh, he's figured out how to use what he does. Uh, he attacks the strike zone now better than he ever did. He's changed his repertoire a little bit, Luke, instead of that stinking fastball that a lot of the guys from the Pirates, Garrett Cole, two, five, six years ago, they were using that sinker down to that zone, more sinker slider type of guys. He's learned to elevate that four-seam fastball up in the zone. Good off package of off-speed pitches. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a huge get to the rotation. I hope he stays healthy because I think he's one of those guys. If he and Marcus Stroman can stay healthy, I think both those guys can give them somewhere between 28 to 35 starts, somewhere between 185 to 200 innings. And I think they're getting Tyone at the time, the perfect time to get this guy right now, because I thought going into New York, he had to make some changes. He made those changes. He pitched in that tough AL East, that tough American League. 
and I think he is primed to have a really good season for the Cubs. I really like this rotation. Marcus Stroman is a strike thrower, and if they can keep him out there and get him the 28 to 35 starts, he can eat up innings and with that double play combo right now with Dansby and Nico Horner. There should be a lot of ground balls that are going to be eaten up, and I think Stroman and Tyone have a chance to have really good seasons. I really, really like the Tyone signing. I thought it was a good one by the Cubs. Um, you know, talking about the rotation, Stroman, Tyone, Justin Steele's probably going to be in that top three with those guys. We have sat here and talked about, okay, who's who's going to fill this out? You know, Drew Smiley probably in that number four, number five role. We talked about Adrian Sampson a little bit yesterday. A lot of fans are excited about Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, someone, Gary, he asked in the chat earlier, uh, is there a pitcher that the Cubs have that maybe people aren't necessarily talking about? Uh, a sleeper arm, for example, um, that could be, uh, you know, in that starting rotation at some point this year or, you know, even opening day. Yeah, a, a guy that really caught my eye last year, and I know Adrian Sampson. He, he's not a guy, listen, he, he's probably not a prospect guy that you'd say, like, go look up on the MLB pipeline and say, boy, Adrian Sampson, the guy that's going to blow you away. But you know what he does? He gets outs. He yep. figures it out. Uh, he's got some guts. Um, he's not afraid to pitch with men on base. Uh, he doesn't want to come out of a game. He's out there in the fourth and fifth inning when he gets taken out of the game. And one of the things I like, too, uh, from watching some Cub games last year, when he doesn't pitch well, he doesn't make excuses. He stands at his locker and said, I wasn't any good. I have to be better. Um, doesn't make any excuses for the pitch calling, uh, the shift or whatever was going on. Full responsibility. I think you can't have enough of those guys. I'm pulling for him to have a big year. And I think Sneaky, I think he's going to end up winning that fifth spot. That's just my That's just my opinion. I agree. That's who I believe deserves that spot right now. Again, yesterday, like, or over the weekend, the Cubs, uh, you know, or David Ross pretty much announced it was going to be between him, Hayden, Hayden Wisniewski, and, and Javier Asaf for that last spot. And so, yeah, I, I do – I, I agree with you when it comes to Samson in terms of just he's he's kind of got that bulldog mentality he where, he, where he just wants to just go out there and, and shove it. And uh, he, like you said, doesn't show any sort of fear. And that was the one thing that I liked about him. And the fact that he he ate innings, he had seven quality starts for the Cubs last year, uh, technically, if you want to talk about six innings. Um, but he at least gave the Cubs five innings, what, 14 times, I think yeah. I said yesterday. Yeah. So. I do. I I'm glad we are on the same page with this, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, I, I'm a. I, I like this guy. I like everything about him. Uh, he's kind of a no BS. I like his. The, if you watch him in between innings when he takes his warm up tosses, uh, he's ready to go. He's aggressive. He's initiating the pace of play. His stuff may be short, but I tell you what, he makes up with a great positive attitude. I'm a huge body language guy, and when you watch this guy, even when he's getting his brains beat in, you never see those shoulders shrug and kicking rocks and acting like, come on and come out here and get me, you know, oh, Mr. Wizard, I don't want to be a pitcher. I mean, this guy's out there. You know, he'll, he he takes a beating like a man, and he keeps coming after it. I'm a big fan of his. Right. Well, and Dan, for a guy like Samson, who's uh, going to be 31 this year, hadn't really had any success at the MLB level prior to last year, was in Korea for a little bit. ERA just north of three, uh, a ton of quality starts. I mean, we joked last year during the season, like he was just delivering quality starts seemingly every time he was out there when he was getting a chance. How easy is it for someone like that at this point in his career to repeat a season like he had 
last year? Well, I, I think it's it's going to be easier for a guy like him because let's think about it. He's had a rough road to get to the big league level, right? There's a reason you're playing overseas. There isn't a guy playing in Major League Baseball that says, hey, you know what? I want to go overseas to try and see what that's like. You're going over there for a reason because, one, you haven't been good enough to play at the big league level to get yourself a job. And I think what he brings to the table is this. He's a survivor. He's in his early 30s. He's not a guy that's 23 years old, signed right out of college a couple years, and you know you call him up, there's expectations. All you've heard is how good you are when they draft you. You're great. You go to double A, you go to triple A, they call you up to the big leagues. You have a couple of bad starts. Hey, don't worry about it. That's okay. It's going to be okay. Then all of a sudden, it isn't okay. There's no sticker shock with this guy. He knows he is what he is. I don't want to say he's at the end of the rope. But I'm saying he goes into camp knowing, hey, I'm 31 years old. I've gone everywhere. I've tried to play everywhere. They're giving me a chance to get the ball every five days. I'm going to make the most of it. And I don't think he's going into spring training nervous or worried. He's like, listen, what the hell do I have to lose? I've seen the worst of it. They gave me the ball every five days last year. I pitched to an ERA in the low threes. I gave them quality starts. I took the ball every five days. I eat up innings. You don't have to worry in the second inning if he gives up four hits in a row that he's going to hang his head and you have to go out there and get him. He saves the bullpen. He eats up innings. There's a lot of positives. And I think right now he should be in a really good frame of mind to say, hey, listen, this is what I bring to the table. He's not, he's not trying to establish himself to the brass like, hey, look, I've made the transition from A-ball to double-A or from the SEC. I went to LSU and now – Hey, I pitched at Georgia at Auburn. Look, man, this translates to double or triple A. This guy, it is what it is. I mean, he's out there. He's he. You know what he is, Luke? He's a survivor. And those you and and you have to have some of those guys on your team. Guys that appreciate the moment of being in the big leagues. Guys that weren't drafted and signed for a seven-figure signing bonus and were coddled all through the minor league system. This is a guy that's bounced around. <laughs> And he's ready to take on whatever the Cubs decide to throw his way. He'll take it and accept it. I mean, we we like the idea. I love Wesneski too. And it, what's interesting is you look at the Cubs now, and while they didn't have great depth in pitching, they've started to build it. And now you start to have these difficult questions of what do you do with a guy like Wesneski who looked great at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, because Sampson also looked good. And then you look at another guy you talk about survival, Kyle Hendricks, we don't know what to expect from him anymore. Is, is there a chance that still Kyle Hendricks, when he gets healthy, could could turn his the, the second half or the back half of his career into what Jamie Moyer used to be? Can, can he hang on to the big leagues long enough to still help the Cubs? Yeah, Luke, there, there's a couple things that I admire about Kyle Hendricks. Um, in a day and age when velocity plays and spin rate plays, He's another guy. He's a survivor. He's never been a hard thrower. You go back to the World Series championship team of 2016 and the year before and a couple of years afterwards, you could make a case pound for pound. He was the most consistent Cub starter over a five or six year run. Took the ball every five days. He could figure it out. Never was a hard thrower. I'm never counting out Kyle Hendricks. Now, with that said, it's going to be tough for him to come back because when you're throwing 87 to 88 and now on this road to recovery, hopefully he'll be able to get back to that 88 to 91 
If he can't, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult, Luke, because his bread and butter is that 89 to 91, that killer changeup and that movement that he has. But what makes that changeup and that movement good is having enough velocity that it's just not, you know, you're just not throwing water balloons in there. And that's my biggest fear. He has to have enough juice on the fastball to make that changeup and that sinker and that slow curveball effective. When they all kind of blend together, that's not good. Something to watch, you know. I'm I'm curious, Dan. We've been talking about this a little bit, and as a former pitcher, I, I'm obviously very interested in your perspective. You mentioned the middle infield defense before, and we heard from Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele in spring um, about kind of Marcus Stroman talking about his sinker, Steele talking about, uh, you know, making the ball cut to get ground balls, to have hitters put the ball on the ground. Like, as a pitcher, the Cubs have spent a lot of money and really improved their defense, not just at, at short and second, but also with Cody Bellinger in center. Like, you're maybe not going to change how you're attacking hitters. You're going to use your stuff and, and make the pitches you want to pitch. But how, how, how does that affect you as a pitcher knowing, like, hey, if I get these guys to put the ball on the ground, it's going to be an out. They're going to pick it up. We're going to get an out on this play. I'm going to tell you what, good pitching goes hand in hand with good defense. There isn't a good pitching staff in baseball that can be a good pitching staff when you don't have good defenders behind you. You look at all the high quality teams that make it into the postseason, the Braves, the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Padres, what do they do? Yeah, they got star players, but they catch the ball. There's nothing more demoralizing from a pitcher when you get a first and third, you get a ground ball, you think it's a 6-4-3 double play. The next thing you know, it's slow developing. You get the ball hit the short. He throws a little throw that's a little off at second, pulls the guy off, throw to first, beats it, inning stays alive. Next guy, bases clearing double. Instead of no runs, you give up three runs. It begins to wear on you, not only as a team, but as a pitching staff. And when you start getting some outs, first and second, one out, and there's a bullet hit between third and short, and Dansby Swanson goes to his left backhand, gets it over to Nico, and they turn a double play. You walk off the mound as a pitcher going, whoo, did I get out of that one? And then you start expecting it to happen, and then what do you do? You start throwing the ball in the strike zone. A couple of things happen when things go bad for pitchers. One, the walks go up, and ball one, ball two. It's impossible to consistently pitch unless you're Garrett Cole, unless you're you Darvish or Jacob deGrom. It's hard to pitch ball one, Ball two, two and oh, two and one. And when you have guys behind you that can catch the ball, that takes a lot of that fear out of that and saying, hey, I'm going to throw it over, particularly in April. Listen, Wrigley Field, to talk about the home runs, it may be singly the best ballpark to pitch in in the month of April to early May because the wind blows in, the grass is high, the grass is thick, nobody wants to hit. Take advantage of the environment in April into middle of May. When you see that that wind is blowing out of the north and that wind is blowing in, let them hit it because it is a great ballpark to pitch in. Now, in July and August, when it starts to blow from the south, that's when you get a sore throat and you tell the pitching coach, I can't pitch today, I got a sore throat. <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, you know, we've been talking about starting rotation. You love Samson. Um, talked about Tyone a little bit, but... Another battle, I guess, at Cubs camp this spring is, uh, you know, deciding who's going to be the closer for this team. And I know you're high on Keegan Thompson, which I'm not going to lie, made my hair stand up a little bit because I'm as high on Keegan Thompson as anyone as well. And, uh, you know, 
with him going to the bullpen, Abrazale going to the bullpen, they got some other guys. I'm, I'm high on Jeremiah Estrada as well. Um, who, who do you think uh, is in that race to be uh, the closer for the Cubs? Yeah, and, and I believe didn't they just sign Michael Fulmer? Fulmer yeah, last Michael Fulmer as well. Yeah, yeah. Got some big outs with the Tigers. I'm a big fan of his too. Right, this guy's not afraid to come in in the eighth and ninth inning. I think. Listen, unless you've got a guy that alpha male in the back end of the bullpen, and everybody, every team thinks that yeah, we have our guy, but there's only about a handful. Like let's say five legit closers. Like there's one Edwin Diaz right now, and he's for the Mets. He is head and shoulders, the best reliever in baseball, right? I mean, he strikes nearly everybody out. But every team thinks, hey, we've got these guys. You don't. What you have, you have a collection of outgetters, And I think that's what the Cubs have. And I think the beautiful thing about it is you go to spring training, you have four or five guys that all believe they're alpha male guys, right? I mean, you talk to Keegan Thompson, I'm sure he's like, hey, I want to pitch the ninth inning. Hell, I don't want to pitch the fifth and the sixth. I want the eighth or the ninth. And when you get that competition going in spring training, eventually they weed themselves out. You're going to find out who are the guys you can bring in with guys on, on base. The thing that I liked about Keegan Thompson when, when he came out of the bullpen, he's not afraid to pitch with guys on base, first and second, one out. You bring him in, he doesn't panic. There are a lot of relievers, you bring him in, they, you'll get a guy at the end of the year go, man, he had a 275 ERA. But yeah, but all the runs, all the guys that were on base, his inherited runners, he inherited 42 of them and 35 of them scored. Well, you don't want to bring that guy in with runners on, on base all the time. But there, there are some relievers that they're good when they start an inning clean. And so I think what David Ross is going to do in spring training, he's going to find out, one, who are my guys? What two or three guys can I depend on and lean on? And then what guy or two guys can I bring in in the middle of an inning, first and third in the eighth inning with one out, to get a three or a four hole hitter out. A guy that won't panic, the guy that'll throw strikes. Who's my ground ball getter? Can I, do I have a guy in my bullpen where I have a guy up to bat right now that hits 35 home runs, but he can't run? That boy, you're playing, you're, you're playing a, a, a guy that's a sinker ball pitcher. You got an infield defense right now with Nico Horner and Dansby that can suck up the balls that are hit on the ground. Who's my guy if I, okay, who's, who's the best advantage I have here this guy is a, uh, a low ball hitter that I can induce to hit a ground ball. Who's the guy that can do that? And, and I think that's what David Ross is going to do in the next four to five weeks. Take all these guys, figure out which guy, okay, who can I bring on with guy on base? Who can I bring on that I need a strikeout that, you know, is a swing and miss guy? And who's the guy that I can use for multiple innings? Like if I bring him in in the seventh to get a couple outs, can I run him back out there in the eighth to get me two or three more outs? So those, those are good problems to have. And it'll all work itself out as spring training goes. How hard is it for a reliever to become a closer? Uh, just, it's just it's, a regular reliever. Well, uh, it's it's hard. It's okay. It's not hard if you never fail, right? So if you're mm -hmm. a seventh inning guy and they say, "Hey, you're going to pitch the ninth inning," and you they they may, they don't you the closer in all of April, May, you have 15 saves, you don't blow any. You're thinking, "Man, this is an easy life." But eventually, you're going to fall off that boat. That you're going <laughs> to run into rocky water. And what happened, what makes it such a difficult job, Luke, is you sit around for like three hours and you know you're only going to get if there's a save opportunity, right? So this got to be three runs or less, ninth inning, go ahead, a tying run's got to be on base, less than two outs, and all these things, and you're sitting there. Well, after you've blown a couple and you're sitting there all day and, you know, Justin Steele's gone seven and two-thirds, giving up one hit and you're winning two to nothing, 
and all of a sudden they bring you in with a man on first and two outs. You walk a guy and give up a double, and now the game's tied 2-2, and you got to walk in that clubhouse, and you see Justin Steele. You just hung him with a no decision, right? And, yeah. you know, you feel bad. I mean, it's all part of it. I mean, you know, you hear that. Oh, they say, hey, what you have to have is a great – you have to have a great ability to forget, have a bad memory, like to let it go. You know what you have to have? You have to have a lot of, a lot of guts – and you have to just believe that, hey, when I go out there, I'm going to get the job done. And it's easier said than done. I, I did just about any, everything you could do in the bullpen. And I can tell you this. From my days closing with Milwaukee, man, there, when, you're, when you're the closer, there's no, there's no safety net. When you're coming in as a specialist in the eighth inning, I come in to get Barry Bonds or Tony Gwynn or J.T. Snow or Mo Vaughn. I don't get them, but guess what? I'm out of there because now two righties are coming up. But when you're the guy in the ninth inning and you don't get Bonds out and you don't get Dansby Swanson out and you don't get Freddie Freeman out and you don't get Bryce Harper out, guess what? You're still out there to get the next guy and the next guy till you get him out. And, and I'm telling you, after you've done that and you failed a couple of times, you learn a lot. You got to really learn how to dig deep down inside and try to stay as positive as you can. It's hard to do. It, it takes a very special guy to do that for an extended period of time we i think when you see guys like mariano rivera trevor hoffman billy wagner we just take for granted man that is so easy it is a tough job that they make look easy so who was the toughest out who was the guy you didn't want to see at the plate when you came in to close a game uh, uh tony gwynn because i wasn't going to strike him out luke he put the ball in play uh as far as a fear is like the blow a game open barry bonds and both those guys were lefties. Um, I, I just tell you, when I, when I came up, my first seven years, I was in the American League with Milwaukee. And I would have told you on a stack of Bibles, there was no better hitter baseball than Don Mattingly. I mean, to me, he was, he was the holy grail of hitting. Yankees, Batman, you name it, short ports, right field, you know, hitting 300, 25, 30 bombs, 100. I, I just thought he was the greatest thing ever. And in 1993, I signed with the Cubs as a free agent. I'm sitting down in a bullpen, and the Giants were about to come in town. And Paul Ostermacher, I'm sitting next to Paul Ostermacher. He goes, wait till you see this Bonds guy. I've never seen anything like him. And I remember sitting next to Ostermacher going, have you ever seen Mattingly? He goes, yeah. I go, he can't be as good as Mattingly. And he goes, as good as Mattingly, he's better than Mattingly. I go, ah, I got to believe it to see it. First time I faced him three weeks later in Candlestick, first pitch to Bonds, he took me deep. <laughs> he, he took me deep at Candlestick. And I was just like, okay, we're not worthy. <laughs> Someone send this to MLB Hall of Fame voters. Thank you. Uh, very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dan, we always appreciate your time. I have one final quick question. It's an easy answer. Okay. I, th I think the new bases look like pizza boxes. They what do. What what topping do you get on your pizza? Uh, double cheese and pepperoni. And I have a question for you. Do the okay. guests do we get do we get any of the product? <laughs> <laughs> I, is that is that the hitch to get me on? Well, well, we'll send you samples. Send you samples. Right. We got yeah. athletic greens, five? Roman. Hey, if, yeah, if it's free, it's me, and I'll take three. <laughs> All right, you're the absolute best. We appreciate you coming on. Have a great season and a good trip. And uh, as always, we appreciate it, Dan. Yeah, Thanks. let's do it again when the season starts. Woo -hoo, big Sounds blue train, good. Baby. Thank you, Dan. Big Thanks, blue Dan. train. See you. you tra travel safely. <laughs>
Uh, Dan Plazak is maybe the best guy in profession, former athlete that you will ever meet. Period. End of story. Uh, all right, we we have some more ad reads we got to do. What what do we have left, Cody? Little game time action. <clears throat> little tickets game for free. Time. Yeah. So you know, <clears throat> Dan's headed out to Arizona. He's going to check out some Cactus League. Uh, you know. He works for MLB Network, so he doesn't need to go get tickets. But, uh, you know, if you're out in Arizona, you want to go see the Cubs play at Sloan Park, uh, it's coming up. I think first game's on Friday? I think the 25th. Yeah. Saturday? Okay. Vibes start in less than a week, guys. So if you're out in Arizona, you got to get your, get your tickets on game time. Uh, game time, the hottest new ticketing site. That makes it easier than ever to score the best deals. On tickets to sports, concerts, and shows ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could. 50-yard line courtside behind home plate. Corey Friedman's seats at Wrigley Field. I I agree they are some of the best uh, floor seats at a concert. It's it's possible with the game time app. The, po- the biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season. And like I said, the, the spring training, whether it's Cubs, White Sox, uh, Bull season, uh, you can go to United Center and bet against the Bulls because they stink. Same thing with the Blackhawks. Uh, yeah, and of course, one, once the season starts here in April, uh, the t- the Cubs tickets are always the cheapest in April because of the weather. But you want to go to beautiful historic Wrigley Field like Corey does, and I do, you go sit in left field like I do or sit behind home plate like Corey does, I mean, you can get the best seats on game time, guys. The best. Created by the fans, for the fans, guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Man, I love that ad read. Thank you. (laughs) Well, don't worry. You'll get the Roman ad next time around. Yes, I can't wait. I I just got to say, the fact that we got to listen to Luke Stuckmeyer read the Roman ad I mean, that might be a top five moment in CHGO Cubs podcast history. I'm just saying. I mean, it's not up there with the April Fool's joke I played on you. That's, but that's fair. Another story. <laughs> I will agree with that. But I have been waiting for weeks. Top five moment I have been waiting for weeks for having to hear Luke read well, the Roman Cody, ad. Cody and I were talking before how, how lucky the two of us are, you know, two guys growing up watching you and Dan on Cubs postgame immediately surpassed for Cody by you doing the Roman ad. So yes. that, that, yes. that glory lasted Absolutely. all five minutes. There, I got to tell you, there is, there is, as you can see, there is nobody that comes even close to being more fun as a co-host on a show than Dan Plezak. Like, yeah. I mean, from a former athlete perspective, like he is so good on MLB Network. He was great on Cubs, but he's just like, He's blown up on MLB Network. He took his personality and brought it to. Was he the biggest star in baseball? He's a three-time All-Star. He played 18 years. But is his name Barry Bonds? No, but he is the show at MLB Network. Like yeah. he he carries that network on his shoulders, um, just like Ryan Herrera carries us. Speaking of, there he is. And I believe he's ready. Hi, Ryan, and he's no not Hawaiian. wearing a Hawaiian, no Hawaiian. today. What, what the shit? It was uh, it was too cold today and raining. Oh. Well, I'd um, like you to know say, that though, it's like 40 say, here and the sun is out. So take that. I, I got to say that I was able to tune in for a little bit about mid-show. And Luke, great job on the Roman Reed. Fantastic <laughs> job. Well, glow, glow, it got some of our reviews. guests excited about the read. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, so, Ryan, you had a chance to talk to Tom Ricketts in the last 
24 hours was after our podcast yesterday. Michael Collada's not here today. It's a big day. I know. Well, Collada's purposely missing this one. Mm -hmm. What what, uh, should we know about what Tom Ricketts had to say? Uh, Well, I did write about it over at allchgo.com, so if you haven't checked it out, go do that. Uh, The main thing was, uh, you know, payroll. Payroll, team spending, luxury tax, CBT, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, (laughs) I posted a few things uh, in in that, um, you know, in in our article. Uh, I think everyone that was here wrote about it. And uh, Cubs Twitter was not too happy about what Tom Ricketts had to say, Um, (laughs) basically saying that, you know, they're – at, they don't kind of look at what other teams do as far as spending. They're going to do what they have planned on doing. Um, he has, you know, he was quick to point out the kind of penalties for going over the luxury tax by there's, you know, there's penalties for dollar amount and there's penalties for number of years you do it. Uh, he was quick to point that out. He kind of said, you know, he's not going to promise top five spending. Uh, you know, if they feel like they could go over for a year or two, they'll do it. Um, so it doesn't sound like he's, he's going to go, uh, become Steve Cohen anytime soon. It doesn't sound like he's planning on having, you know, going over the CBT for years on end. Um, the CBT does raise a little bit. And then as the Cubs shed payroll over the next over years, you know, as happens in baseball, who knows how they play around with it. But uh, you just, from what he said, it doesn't sound like he is keen on going over the CBT for very long. Um. Yesterday, on your Twitter account, you should follow Ryan at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. You're welcome, Ryan. Uh, You posted a quote from Tom, uh, and uh, Cubs Twitter kind of erupted a little bit. And the quote, uh, the beginning of the quote says, we have a couple guys that we'd love to extend, but if that doesn't, but if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. And then you go on to say some other stuff. But I think a lot of Cubs Twitter reacted to that first sentence. And uh, with you being right there, hearing it come from him, I am curious to what your take is from that because I think a lot of people either are not taking it that serious just because Tom is always very around the edges, not straightforward. But also, I think the that's okay too part is bothering a lot of fans because a, a lot of people want Ian Happ or, or Nico Horner here long term. Well, I'm just curious well, what your thoughts are. The thing is what he meant and if you would like, you know, read the the next sentence actually after that is if uh, like what is something about like he's fi- like he's fine that if they want to test free agency because it takes two to tango right like he wants to have he didn't you know specifically name who he wants to extend some guys but you know it's there it's up to them right like they have the right when they get to however many years it is to test free agency um and i think people are angry because they read it and wanted to be angry <laughs> because it's Tom Ricketts. Like, that's just how it is. Um, but when you just look at, we look at the, the quote for what it is, like he was basically saying, yeah, we have guys we want to, you know, we want to extend, but it also has to come from their side too. If they want to test free agency, we can't do anything about that. Um, that's kind of, that, I mean, that's how it sounded to me. That's how it reads to me still. Um, but you know, people are going to, people are going to take that in, in whatever way they want, but that, that's, when, when he said it, that's how it sounded to me. I, yeah, I don't. I just don't get all crazy about that. I do think I, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I believe the Ricketts have done everything right as owners. Those are decisions your general manager and your and your team president are making. That's not an own. I guess you could have an owner like Jerry Jones that would come in for a sport and just be like, "Nope, this is the way it's going to be." 
and throw his money down and be like, I'm I'm paying Nico Horner this or whatever, but I, I, I'm more on this path. Like, I, I believe the decision should be you should rely on the guys you hired to do the job. I, yeah. I, you know, I think, like, Cody and I in particular have made no secret about our feelings about their spending or, you know, things like that. But what I was going to say is, like, I, I saw that quote when you tweeted it yesterday, Ryan, like, right when you tweeted it. And I knew right away. I was like, oh, yeah. this is this is a not a I, I don't mean nothing quote in that it's not worthwhile, but it's a it's a company line. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a pretty like nothing burger of a, you know, playing both sides statement. Right. Right away. I'm like, oh, this is going to get taken the wrong <laughs> oh, way. Yeah. Like yeah. no yeah. question. Yeah. This is going to piss. He said nothing. And people are going to be so mad right. about and, this. But this, the reason that I asked is because I feel exactly how Corey feels. I did. I quote tweeted and was just like, man, I wish Tom just didn't say anything because I just didn't want to have to read everyone's dumb tweets about it. So uh, yeah. Ryan Herrera, for the first time in your Twitter career at CHGO, you caused an uproar. Congratulations. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you guys had to read them. I had to get the notifications. Every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Fernando has uh, a super did. chat, by the way. I want to real, real quick. I looked at Delmetrics and Vibe Meter five-star rating for yesterday's rant. No time limit could contain it. What <laughs> else do you have, Ryan, from Arizona, from Mr. Ricketts? Um, uh, he did talk about David Ross, actually, and I thought it was pretty insightful on what, uh, what he thinks of David Ross. I don't know. Does Sarah have that clip? Sarah, you got that, right? Well, there we go. It's quick. What Ross has is um, he just has a communication style that he can relate to every single player in the clubhouse. Um, I think strategically he's been pretty solid. Like he understands how to manage a game, but but really like it's a long season and your manager has to keep a lot of guys focused and um, you know there's always going to be little dramas and he has to be able to be there for his guys when those happen. And I think everyone on the team respects him and uh, looks forward to playing for him. So. I think he's got he's got the uh, the ability to be one of the you know best managers of all time. We just have to you know keep giving him the right players. Go ahead, yeah. Tom. <laughs> like, hey, I thought that was please I do. thought that was very insightful on how he feels about David. That last part, right? That I think he has the ability to be one of the best managers of all time. And yeah, you know that part of that is his owner speak. Like you want to hype up your manager, um, but you don't often hear them say that right like David Ross is three years into his tenure he hasn't really gotten a shot to to be you know to show off all his managerial chops so to hear Tom say that and to hear him say like as long as we keep giving him the right players like <laughs> admitting pretty much admitting that they haven't given him the rosters that he needs to win and maybe I think he thinks that this is the kind this is the roster that leads more in that direction I don't think any of us expect that to be a World Series winning roster, um, but it should. It's better. The floor is better. It should lead to more winning. Um, and so when Tom talks about David Ross being, they're having the ability to be one of the best managers of all time, uh, and and talking about you know wanting to keep giving him better, better players so that he could prove that, um, I I think that says something about the way he feels about you know David Ross. Yeah, part of part of that might be on the Ricketts, and part of that. Might be on Jed Hoyer. I don't think you put 100% of that on one person. There's a lot of different factors for why they haven't had the best players on the field. They chose a path when they weren't winning after the World Series enough. Like, 
Are we going to win a World Series with these guys? No. W- what can we do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they decided, right well, or wrong, they, to blow it up. They clearly let David Ross be part of how they build the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. that was bluntly stated in that Ken Rosenthal article about Wilson Contreras over the weekend. So... We're going to see if that's the right decision or not. And, uh, you know, for my sake, I hope that, yeah, I, I hope he, I hope he's right about a, a lot of that stuff because if things don't go the right way, then fan base is just going to continue to erupt yeah. and continue to look at the past. So I think, I think know. a lot of people react the way they do to like Ryan's tweet and the, and the quote, because I think they feel a little bit like some of the stuff that Tom says, he does kind of put it on Jed a lot. But at the end of the day, like, what, you know, what else is he going to say, right? Like, right. and yeah. Jed is, I think we want Jed to be the one. You you know, you brought up the Jerry Jones example. We don't want that. Like, we don't want Tom. You I, want I Tom want, making personal decisions? I want decisions? Tom spending more money. Well, there's I do an owner in the city that on the other side yeah. of town that makes decisions. We do not want that. That doesn't go well. <laughs> and it, it hasn't gone well. So, so he's holding his general manager you know, and president yeah. accountable. Jed, I think it's going to be a good thing. Is Jed right. the fall guy in a lot of these quotes? Yeah, but. He is going to be the fall guy. That's part of the job. That's how it is, so. you know. Tom so. Ricketts doesn't make personnel decisions. He, he doesn't decide, are you signing Dansby or are you signing this guy? Are you signing Tyone or are you signing this guy? That's all he's saying. You, got, you have to have the right players. Ryan, any other quick nuggets before we go uh, about what's brewing out in Arizona or has happened today? Um, another thing that I tweeted yesterday that blew up even more than that Tom Ricketts thing is, is say, uh, um, he, he's oh. talking about, he, he gained 20 pounds, uh, put on 20 pounds. He's going to WBC. Um, and he was asked, is he going to recruit, uh, Shohei Otani to the, to the Cubs oh. next year? And he said, he come said, on, I'm inviting him. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> come on. That, you know, when, when Shohei is officially the, uh, the a free agent, I think say is going to be one of the top record recruiters. Uh, and also DraftKings Sportsbook, Cody, you'll love this. Uh, late spring, early summer is the kind of target-ish date to open. Somewhere around there. Mm. That's you, you got to oh, read yeah. between the lines and right. what Tom is saying. Because what he's saying is, you know, we're going to stay under the threshold because we're going to give right. Shohei right. Otani a billion right. dollars. Yeah. Big right? brain. He's going to throw his money on the table Big when brain. Shohei shows up. Oh, that's man. what I'm hoping They would make for. so much How money. How delusional are we, folks? Yeah. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. I'm ready way, to be heard again. I don't know if Sho- <laughs> I don't know if is really allowed to say that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know for a fact that Jed Hoyer would not be allowed to say that. No. About no. another right. player on another team. Yeah. But I'm glad he's thinking it. That's all right. I'm saying. Glad he's thinking it. All right, Ryan. We'll be looking for your stuff. All chgo.com. Ryan's had great stuff. Again, follow him on Twitter. Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Don't forget to sign up and be a diehard at allchgo.com so you can see all of the articles Ryan will post all season long. Plus, you get the discounts all season long on the big events. You don't miss anything. And you also want to make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page for uh, CHGO Sports so you don't miss anything. Ryan's staying in Arizona. We're going home. It's cold outside. Go put on your Hawaiian shirt and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. Thanks to Ryan Herrera. Thanks to Dan Plezak. Thanks to you for checking out the podcast, and we will see you tomorrow. Until then, fly the W.